on today's episode, Dave Proctor's Ultra Recovery Strategies. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. We are almost at the end of recovery month. We have our interview with Dave right now, and then I will jump on for a solo episode next week to wrap it all up. And I will discuss or kind of bring things to a close and a summary of what I learned in particular, interviewing all these guests and already formulating a bit of a run sheet for that because I'm learning so much. I think this episode is coming out on Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, as I think will be a common habit for me moving forward, uh, the podcasters will continue going throughout the festive season, throughout, um, breaks. I think it's just, I get so much passion, enjoy doing these episodes so much that, uh, I don't think I'll be having much downtime. So Dave, Dave Proctor is a multi-record ultra runner and, I guess I'll, I'll list a couple of the things he has achieved. Uh, he is the world record holder for the longest distance covered on a treadmill in 24 hours. He is also the Canadian 24-hour record holder. He did 257 kilometers in one day. Um, he did mention on the podcast he was also the... Canadian, or he held the Canadian 48 and 72 hour record. Incredible stuff. That's how elite can you get when it comes to this? He also attempted a trans Canadian run and it was covering a distance of 7,200 kilometers as he spanned across Canada and aimed to do it in, I think he said 60 seven or 66 days and it's 105 or 108 kilometers over that every single day over that period of time and that uh was attempted last year which dave was forced to pull out from due to some disc issues in his back halfway through and he will attempt it again next year training up for it as we speak and i thought it's all in well to interview a lot of scientists and a lot of researchers, a lot of health professionals to talk about recovery. But it's another thing just to go boots on the ground, see what athletes are doing, see what's working for them, and kind of get anecdotal confirmation of what's working for them. And this is one account. This is the opposite side of science where we're just getting one account and seeing what works. But it's still a nice way to zoom in to different scopes of uh, practice, I guess you could say. And we're getting different tips based on how far we want to zoom into boots on the ground. And when I thought about an athlete, I'm like, oh, let me reach out to Dave or let me reach out to Amy Bender, Dr. Amy Bender, who was the sleep scientist earlier in the podcast, because she was telling me about Dave Proctor when I was organizing an interview with her. She recommended I interview Dave. And then I thought, when this opportunity came up, he would be great to have on. And yeah, I was very happy he agreed to do so. In the podcast, we didn't go through in the interview, but it was until we finished recording. He did mention his TED talk around, um, he did mention he took part in a, a heart study during his run and we brushed over it. We, we covered it a little bit in the interview, but 
there is um, some really nice graphics and a little bit more detail in his TED talk. So I'll, I'll add that link in the show notes. And yeah, he's doing it for a great cause, which we talk about at the end. So without further ado, I suppose I, I could give you a little bit of a rundown. Um, we go through all the recovery strategies that he recommends, all the ones that he's tried in the past that hasn't worked, all the ones that he does right now that he finds really, really does work. And yeah, some of them I um, some of them I found quite surprising, but maybe for the ultra marathon community, it's not too surprising. So let's dive in. He was a great guy to chat with. Here he is now, Dave Proctor. Dave, welcome to the Run Smarter podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, Rudy, for having me. You're very welcome. How about we get started? If people aren't familiar with you, just talking about uh, your career as an endurance athlete, uh, where you're from, and just, yeah, getting to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, my, my name's Dave Proctor. I'm, I'm 40 years old. Um, I live in uh, a small town right beside Calgary, Canada. So uh, right now is, you know, if, you, if people are seeing the video, it's, I'm dressed in a winter jacket and it's minus 15, minus 20 here. I think it's almost the opposite where, where you are. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm an ultra endurance runner, um, mostly focusing on 24 hour events and plus um, my favorite new kind of new event in, in, in the world that Lazarus Lake has kind of brought, you know, the, the running world is, is the backyard style event um last year's bigs backyard um you know i ended up getting third place so i ran 50 for 52 hours so i think that was 350 kilometers or, or something rather of continual hour hour running um yeah i'm the canadian 24 hour 48 hour 72 hour uh record holder um i attempted to break the trans-canadian speed record so the fastest run across canada in um, 2018, and I was not successful with that attempt. I ended up having a suffering an injury to, a, uh, to, to my lower back. I was supposed to do it again last summer, but um, everything in the world, I think the one thing that we all have that's all in common right now is, is COVID and our desperate attempts to, to, to tamper it and to uh, diminish the curve, um, you know, as, a, as everyone's in it together. And we deemed that it was not reasonable or 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 the right time to to run across the country, um, and so we we put that on hold for a 2021 effort. So I'm just going to be starting up ramping up uh, training in the next little bit, probably even next week is going to be the first big big week, and then you know about four months down the road from now. I'm going to be attempting to to run across the country of Canada, which you know you're from Australia, so you 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 know how you know big tracks of land work. Um, you live in a big big country. I even live in a, even a bigger country, and so it's seven thousand two hundred kilometers, and I want to do it in in sixty seven days. So it's about one hundred and five kilometers of running a day, um, and yeah, and you know recovery is the name of the game. Um, getting up every day and feeling reasonable enough to to go out and run for twelve or fourteen hours. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I've been running ultra marathons now for about 15 years. Um, just been getting more and more success throughout the, the years and, and enough success in order to think that, okay, maybe maybe I need to be setting my, my goals on something or my eyes on, some, on a larger goal and uh, trying to achieve it. Amazing. And it makes sense that you're from Calgary as well, because I see you with the cowboy hats all the time in, um, in your social media and um, all those photos. Absolutely. And the, the cowboy hat is funny. It was, um, so about four, uh, about three years ago, I ended up going to this company called Smith built hats and they've been in operations for over a hundred years, um, and building, you know, cowboy hats. And about 10 years ago, I was running a hundred mile race and it was stupidly hot. And I remember right before the race, um, I saw somebody in a cowboy hat and I thought, that's brilliant. You know, you, you know, cowboy hats are really like they're, they're working people's hats. Right. And they keep the sun off of you. And if it's raining, it keeps the water, uh, the, the, the water off of you. It's a, it's a perfect hat. And so I got thinking, you know, I'm going to go buy a cowboy hat and I'm going to run this race in it. And it worked out great. You could store ice in the top and on and so forth. So about three years ago, I ended up going to a company here in town and said, there's not one running specific cowboy hat um, ever designed in the world. Let's, let's build one. And so we, wow. we ended up coming up with the, the outrunner hat uh, named <laughs> after my, 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 my charitable foundation that, that me and my wife have uh, outrun rare. 
And yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. It's uh it's a really comfortable, fun, you know, fun thing to run in. Yeah. Let me get you up to speed because we're, we're doing a recovery theme throughout December and we have been interviewing a lot of researchers and a lot of health professionals who are, well, we've been well on the educational side of recovery and the science of recovery. And I thought it'd be great to have someone like you with your rap sheet and the distances you are doing and attempting um, to talk about recovery and how you're actually practically implementing these and the benefits that you're getting from trying a few different recovery strategies. I actually had um, Dr. Amy Bender on months and months ago at the start of the podcast who benefited or educated us on the importance of sleep and sleep science. And um, she was the one who actually um, got me onto you because she wanted me to interview you ages ago when talking about sleep. Oh, you need to interview Dave because he's doing this. He's attempting this incredible record and he recognizes the the benefits of sleep and all that kind of thing. And it was number one on the list when you emailed me about the strategies that you use. And so I want to delve into that to start with because you have in the past used Dr. Amy Bender as I guess a part of your team as your recovery team. Um, what are your sleep strategies? What have you found effective and what do you, uh, I guess, what do you use to enhance your sleep? Yeah. So overall, um, you know, I just think that sleep and I, not, not that I know, I mean, me and Amy, we went through a number of sleep studies where I stayed overnight in in her lab and had, you know, a thousand wires attached to my face and head and arms and, and everything. And, you know, it, it, I came to the understanding that we have these sleep cycles and, and getting through an entire cycle is really, really important and having quality of sleep within those cycles. Um, and so really more sleep is better. If you can get in an extra cycle, um, that's probably by far the most important thing that you can end up doing in order to, to recover from whatever you did the day before and whatever you're going to do the next day. Um, you know, the, the repair mechanism of the body is, is most abundant within sleep, in my opinion. Um, and so, but there are many things that, that kind of get in the way of, of that. And what Amy has kind of taught me is a lot of it is, is anxiety with me. If I'm really stressed or worried or concerned, my brain can't, really can't stop working. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of meditation, uh, box breathing exercises I do before bed, um, you know, uh, you know, super, super dark room. Uh, every once in a while, the use of, of sleep aids um, in order to, to fall asleep. Um, you know, the use of, um, of CBD products in order to, to just calm your mind, uh, especially when there are, are, are things that are, that are pressing in, in your mind. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I think that, you know, really simply put, if you can get eight hours, get eight hours. If, if, if you can you know, even push for, for nine hours, um, you know, that's probably the very most, you know, best thing you can do in your, in your um, recovery repertoire. So, you know, I, I, I see a lot of athletes that will go out and push, um, you know, a 16 or a 20 week training block. And, you know, they have this military, um, mindset where you know what i'll sleep when i'm dead and yeah you might you might end up dying sooner than than what you'd like <laughs> because it just doesn't work like that and, I, and i'm so glad that the athletic world is uh listening to people like dr amy bender and um and saying yeah no that that doesn't work um i know with the 2018 run across canada she um was really pressing me in in fact even increasing my speed a little bit more and, and trying to be more efficient during the day and eating very, very, very quickly at the end of the day in order to get in that extra hour, hour and a half of sleep. And when I started really uh, doing that, that's when I saw my, 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 my running economy really, really in, in increasing, more so than any, any, anything else I was trying. Okay. If you, are, if you are within a training block or if you're preparing for something like a massive ultra attempt, are you changing your sleep or are you just trying to get as much sleep as you can uh, no matter what time of year it is? Yeah, you're basically trying to, you're trying to get as much sleep as you can. Um, most athletes like myself, like I've got three kids, right? Now I'm very, very happy and, and lucky now that <laughs> the kids are no longer in sleep training or babies or infants or, or any of the such. Uh, my, my children are, are 14, 11, and nine. And so 
yeah, they sleep through the night and they're, they're, they're great. Um, but, you know, within reason, I mean, you have to live as well, too. Um, every once in a while, your partner wants to stay up and watch a, a Netflix show with you or something. And yeah, you know what? That's fun. And you should do that. Um, but but overall, um, I think just the more sleep, the better. And even the use of um, taking a nap in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, you know, taught me a lot about um, my sleep cycles and, and either you're going to get this much sleep or this little sleep. And so, but don't get in between the two. So go through an entire entire sleep cycle or go for, for me personally uh, with what, what we discovered, it was 25 minutes. And I found that that 25 minutes in the middle of the day really, really paid dividends. Um, and you can find 25 minutes um, if you just schedule it into your day. Yeah. And I like that you've done the research on yourself as an individual. And like you said, you did this research with um, Dr. Amy Bender and found that perhaps it's the anxieties that uh maybe a trigger that gets you less sleep and then trying to implement some strategies to help you as an individual, because someone else might be completely different. So if you are, you did mention some like breathing meditation exercises, and then um, some sleep aids, potentially some um, CBD oil, I think is what you, what you're taking. Let's delve into the CBD side of things, something I know nothing about. And I don't think is too common in Australia. I'm not sure what, I think there's like, different legal like laws different i'm not sure where what's like in australia but um how often do you administer when do you take it what are the proposed benefits yeah so so in canada about two years ago it became legal um the use of cbd um the sorry the use of cannabis in in canada um i you know i'm 40 years old the last time i used cannabis was i was 18 years old i was a kid and so for me, you know, I always heard everybody saying, you know, the benefits of, of cannabis are this and this and this. And I was like, ah, no, you know, um, you know, and of course, everybody like you talk to people that do yoga all the time and they think that they can, you know, world peace could be solved by yoga. Right. Like every everybody, whatever they do says, oh, oh, my God, this is this is amazing. Um, so what I, I I'm, I'm sponsored by a company called Performance Tea and all they, they make these teas. Um, that it's just a, a powder form that you end up putting in water. And, and there's like a chamomile and a ginseng and, and a turmeric one. And um, I take 20 milligrams of CBD in the morning and I take 40 milligrams at night. And um, I've noticed that there's a sign. So I don't know. I, when I get up in the morning, I feel like Frankenstein. Um, you know, your ankles are stiff. Your knees are stiff because you just ran long or hard or intervals or weights or whatever you do in order to try to be a better athlete. Um, there was a significant mark shift when I started taking in lots of, of CBD. Um, now CBD doesn't give you a high. It doesn't give you, it's, it's not, it doesn't have the psychogenic properties, but it, it, it what it does, it's, it's incredible at, at decreasing inflammation globally and, um, and, and calming your mind. It doesn't give you any type of high if I haven't felt anything. But, um, you know, the daily use of that, you can end up getting it in oil form or an edible form like, like tea. Um, I, I know I don't think you can smoke it, but it, I mean, smoking anything is terrible for you anyways. Um, but yeah, no, I, I utilize it in a tea form. I've also utilized it in an oil form. And the biggest benefit is, I think, global inflammation. Um, it just cuts down on on inflammation. And I, I don't, any runner would, would tell you that the quicker the inflammation can clear, I mean, inflammation is good for a short period of time, but then it sticks. And when you can end up eliminating that sticking period um, and getting out there and, and having a, a harder workout the next day, it, you're, you're golden. And if the idea is to reduce inflammation, if you are say going through like Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Like a taper period or some period of time where you're not pushing your body or you're pushing your body really hard, are you changing those dosages or are you just keeping that nice consistent 20 grams morning 40 grams afternoon 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely would. I would end up uh, supplementing with a couple extra drinks um, throughout the day. Um, you know, I think drinking tea is, is an excellent way of getting um, hydration in throughout the day. I drink herbal teas all day because there's nothing better than a, than a hot cup of tea. Um, and you're essentially getting in your fluids, which, you know, is another, another, another big piece of, of, of recovery as well, too. Um, but yeah, no, no. Uh, when I'm training big, when I'm putting in the big mileage, like the, the 200 to 300 kilometer weeks, um, then I'm certainly, you know, not just getting the 20 in the morning, the 40 in the, in, in the evening. I'm also probably throwing in a couple extra drinks throughout the day. Cause why not? Yeah. And would you have more at night if you are in a particular, particularly anxious state or preparing for a race that you're particularly anxious for? I think so. I think so. Um, and then of course, implementing, you know, deep breathing uh, exercise or ac- exercises and, you know, maybe even doing yoga. Uh, before bed at night, I find that really calms the mind. Um, you know, putting down the phone, all those things. But yeah, the use of CBD, I find does calm the mind enough as well, too. So yeah, no, 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 that's, yeah, that 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 definitely does support um, getting rid of, you know, the monkey brain. Cool. Fantastic. One of the other things, I know you did send me a list of like your recovery strategies. And one of them was the Normatech like recovery pants that you wear can you just explain what that actually is for someone who isn't familiar and how you're utilizing it for recovery yeah so um when i was getting ready to run across the country in 2018 i was looking at the long list of okay i would love to have this i would like to have this Eh, do i really need this on board and you know, I had the pleasure the previous year of, of utilizing a friend's Normatech recovery pant. Or I'm not Norm. Normatech is a brand. There are a number of different brands. Um, I think Normatech is probably the best. Um, I, I I don't know, but um, yeah. So I ended up going and, and purchasing a pair. They're quite expensive. I think they're like two thousand, two thousand five hundred dollars. And um, yeah, what it does is it is it is it you know it pumps air into your feet first so they're these big sleeping bags you put in, into your your legs and too and it pumps air into where your feet first and it pumps quite a bit like your feet get really quite squished and then it pumps air into your ankles and then your lower legs and your upper lower leg and then your knees and then and basically it, it squeezes your legs like a tube of toothpaste and um it really aids in venous return um, and you know, any runner out there would know that, you know, after a heavy run or a race or, or speed work, your legs feel like lead. And that's probably cause they're full of lead. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot of like uh, blood flow and, and tissue that's stuck down there that you could really uh, afford to, to be, you know, sitting upside down with your legs up on, up on, up in the air. Uh, but this is like having your legs up in the air times 20. Um, and you get out of those things and your legs are tiny little chicken bones. Like it's, it's incredible just how much that pushes up and out then as well too. And I, I don't know what the science is behind this Brody is, but is like, you know, you, you'd like to think that after a workout, there's a lot of toxins that are dumped and, and, and your body has a hard time with the use of gravity, pumping that back up to your, 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 you know, your, your body to, to exit out of the, out of your system. You'd like to think that it would help with that too. It's just, it's, it's an aid in venous and, and, and lymphatic return. Yeah. A lot of my topics are very scientifically based. It's like, okay, what does the research show? Like how confident are we in making these statements? But with this one, which is why I want to have an athlete on is because we don't necessarily need to talk about the science on this particular topic. It's more about what you're experiencing and what you find benefits in, because something might be really beneficial that the science just isn't out there like it hasn't really produced yet and the way studies are designed is really really tough to come to really concrete conclusions and so uh, i'd love that's why when i just want to list everything and talk about everything that you had uh when i had um shona halson on the podcast who is just like this recovery guru and she was talking about the benefits of um walking in water or just being present in water and she compared it to, say, having a compression stocking and how much 
pressure that actually accumulates. And it's not really that much, but if you're just standing in water and you've got the at like waist height or chest height, you don't necessarily feel it, but the amount of hydrostatic pressure on your body cool. because of all the water that's surrounding you is enormous. And I can assume that these recovery pants are doing something very similar. Like you said, it's incredible the amount of pressure that it's accumulating. Mm-hmm. So I guess the science is there. It's just a, a approaching it from a different device than right. the, and, the benefits. Absolutely. And, and like, like anything else as well too, like I, I, I like to, I would like to think that I've been running long enough. Um, and, you know, and I read the science, but then I also want to try everything. And there are certain things like, like take cupping. Um, you know, some of my running friends are like, Oh my God, cupping is amazing. And other people say, Hey, there's no uh, research and there's no evidence that cupping works. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it does nothing for me. Um, but then you think like toe spacers. Like I, I was also saying, you know, the you know the the um, uh, correct toes. I, I use those every night, and I'm like, ah, oh, okay. There's no there's no real evidence that that works either. But but to be honest with you, I you know when I run across Canada this next summer, um, yeah, they're they're going to be the first thing in my bag because that recovery mechanism and so easy to do too. You just put your you know, your toes in between that and it, it just gaps and it creates this nice space where typically at night, I don't know about you, but like, I feel, um, yeah, like my feet are, are tired and sore and achy and crampy and, and you wear those throughout the night and then you get up the next day and you're just, you feel really good. Um, yeah. And then they say their toe spacers are also really good for kind of correcting the, the structure of the foot. If you have a bunion or a bunionette that's forming on the outside, um, and I don't, um, my, my feet are pretty, pretty straight and, and I'm pretty happy with, with how they look and feel outside of, they just feel, you know, beat up from, from that run that day. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think that sometimes, you know, I'll get on Facebook and, and hear all these people ranting and back and forth and, you know, the efficacy and the science behind this and that. But then on the other hand, you probably should go and try a little bit of everything. And I think that a lot of the time, like even after a run, if, you know, if you're craving a certain food is probably, you need to listen to your, your body and you there's probably something in your diet that you're, that you're needing that's found within that food. And so you, you should be eating that food. Um, you should be taking in that, like I've been told, you know, if you are craving chocolate, uh, a lot of the time it's iron that you're, that you're, that you're needing in your system at that time. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we can learn a lot about what our body needs and how it works by just trying things and um, and seeing how it feels. If there's one thing that's really shifted my opinion when doing this whole recovery theme, I did say like, you know, stretching doesn't do a lot for recovery. This is what the science shows. I always say, you know, if it feels good, do it. But a lot of these devices, like you say, cupping or like certain um, therapeutic, say massage and like these toe spaces, all these um, approaches. If there's one thing that's shifted my opinion, it's if it feels good for you, definitely do it. Like you need to do it for recovery because even though the science might not be there, the fact that you believe that it's doing something and the fact that you've actually noticed benefits, it's going to decrease a lot of stress you're going to be focusing on the benefits of recovery and it's going to really calm down your senses and like shift your mind to the i'm in recovery mode and then that actual putting you in a different state and a a reduced stress level actually helps the recovery purpose anyway so if you do find that massage really helps calm you down and you're finding a massive amount of benefits with massage. If you think these toe spaces, you're feeling, you're getting up and you're feeling incredible. Um, if you are, you know, just trying anything that's new, if you find a benefit, definitely do it. It doesn't really matter what the science shows because the fact that you believe it to be true and the fact that you are seeing the benefits is just like a double whammy. And yeah, we do know that if you live on a high level of stress then we need to try and get that level down as much as we can because the body just isn't switched into that recovery mode and you need to find ways to switch out of that. Right. Yeah. And I also believe like, you know, your body will, you know, it'll, it'll respond and it'll adapt to the stresses that you end up having to put it through. Um, you know, I, I've got a podcast myself and I was interviewing um, the, the guy who has the, the trans American speed record, Pete 
Kostelnik. And, you know, I like to think that I run a, a lot, like I've got, I'm a big mileage guy, but you know, there's big mileage guys and there's big mileage guys. Right. And so he's, he's, he's probably the world's highest when it comes to mileage. I mean, I think every year he manages to run on average over a marathon a day. So wow. he runs, yeah, I think it's 10,000 miles a year. Like it's insane. The, the amount of mileage this guy puts in. And I think the reason why he can do these monster, monster, multi-week and multi-month multi runs is because he's asking his body to do it. And so your body will recover in the time period that you give it, as long as that's what you demand of it, and you go over it time and time and time and time and time again. So, so Pete and I have become really quite good friends. And we we talk a lot about that because with the trans Canadian speed run, it's, it's 105 kilometers a day for 67 days in a row. And in my opinion, in 2018, um, you know, I started running and I was running 105, 110 kilometers a day. And the first, what was it? The first six to eight days were by far the hardest. And you think about it, right? Like you're, if you're training for the trans Canadian speed record, um, you're going to run three, 350 kilometers a week. Um, and that's a lot, right? Because you have family and, and work and life and on and so forth. But, you know, once you start running across the country, you're running seven to 800 kilometers a week. Like it's not, you can't even, you, you, there's no way you could do that in training. And so like every single day I would get up and on day three, I was like, oh God, I feel terrible. And there's no way that if I'm feeling this bad on day three, I'm going to, I can go for another 67 days. Like there's no way. Right. But I think that right around day eight, day nine, you know, things started turning around and I started feeling better. And I think the human adaptive model is such that, you know, it started recovering and it started, my body started improving and my cardiovascular function was getting better. And my, you're basically just getting fitter. Um, so the only way to run across the country, I think, is run the first week and that'll get you fit enough for the second week. And then that second week will get you fit enough for the third week. So, so if we're talking really about recovery, you know, you know, to jump into anything, yeah, your body's not prepared for this and it will need a week to recover from that run, but, you know, getting and, and, and patiently getting into a position where you're doing this every couple, you know, every four days, then every three days. And then you, then you end up putting, you know, for like, for me right now, I, I'll run long about three to four times a week. And I know people go, Oh my God, like how, how, how can you do that? And well, you get used to doing that mm. and you ask your body to recover and respond. And then it does. Um, it's really not that, that tricky. I mean, it takes years of, of, you know, putting a load in and then asking for it to respond favorably. And, you know, at times it, it, it's not fun. And then, you know, injuries happen and, and things, but I guess the ultimate way to recover is ask more from your body and your body will respond with, with, with creating ad adaptive changes. It's a strange phenomenon that I've heard quite often. And the podcast that I did before this, I, in, I interviewed a lot of runners who did these multi-day like a marathon a day for a hundred days and even just um, watching like the, the iron cowboy, that sort of documentary, you come across this phenomenon where everyone says the first week is hell. And then your body just like wakes up and said, okay, you wanted me to do this. Let's do this. And right, you start right. to feel, I know I interviewed a guy here in Australia who did this um, marathon a day, several days. And he said day seven, I think it was around day seven. He felt better than day one. And I'm like, right. how does that make sense? <laughs> it, just it doesn't, doesn't. make sense. It doesn't <laughs> make like you, you won't say, Hey, I'm going to run a marathon and the 35 kilometer mark, things are going to turn around. It's like, no, no, that that's not the way it works, but mm. it, but it is kind of the way it works. There's a, a Ted talks I did a couple of years ago um, about just that. And what, what it was really cool with the run across Canada in 2018 was we also partnered with uh, cardiovascular research group out from Calgary. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to do MRIs on my heart um, as I travel you know, before and then during and then after the run across Canada, because like these cardiologists just don't know what that would look like. Like who, who's ever done this, but has also gone in for cardiovascular MRIs along the way. And so at the very beginning, and I won't get into all the numbers. I mean, this is super nerdy stuff, but it's super, super rad um, was 
my cardiovascular output was 8.2 liters of blood per minute at rest. So when you're at rest, you and I right now, Brody, we're at rest and your body is pumping out a certain amount of blood flow to, 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 to your body to, for, you know, to provide its needs, right? And so the average person pumps out about four liters of blood per minute at rest. And I was pumping out 8.2 liters and the highest human recording ever was nine liters of blood per minute rest. So that tells me that I'm fit enough to even, you know, to consider going and doing something like this run across Canada. But what was really rad was I ended up getting an MRI done 11 days in. And that's when things started feeling better and, and quite good, really. Um, the bad part was, is that I didn't end up getting more MRIs because I didn't make it far enough across the country. I only made it halfway. And, but still, even with that, that MRI that was taken 11 days in, um, they indicated that I was no longer pumping out 8.2 liters of blood per minute rest. Now I was pumping out 14.4 liters of blood per minute rest. Wow. And so, you know, I was, I was interviewing, um, a Navy SEAL the other day and I, 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 you know, whenever you call out a Navy SEAL, you don't really want to, you know. Because they, they might come back and say, hey, listen here, I'm going to break you with my, 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 <laughs> my big arms. And I told him, I said, you know, is, it, is there a possibility that Hell Week in Navy SEAL training just isn't long enough? You know, because the human adaptive modeling, like we adapt if we just push and push and push and push. After a while, the body responds and it starts to give you what it needs to. You'll say, hey, you know, stop, 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 stop. And after a while, I'll say, well, this guy's not going to stop. I better, I better change and adapt or else, you know, he's going to die and, and you're not going to die. Your body will just, you know, just be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed uh, when I look into the science and look at the work that Rich Willie has done, there's a lot of um, the aging runner. They always say that the aging runner requires longer time to recover from a certain session. Like you can't spring back like you did when you were 20 years old and you do need more time to recover. Have you noticed that you have, you don't have that same bounce back time that you once had? Absolutely. And I think that there's a, that, that always that balance between aging athletes and younger athletes is, yeah, I miss them. I miss how my body you know, would bounce back and recover and even feel at the beginning, middle and after, at the end of a workout. But what I don't mind is, is my, you know, my, my mental capabilities now, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've gone through hell and uh, with this sport and, you know, I wouldn't give that for anything in the world. Um, and then you take reasonable and more mature approaches, I guess, not mature, but more mature approaches to fueling and other strategies and getting ahead of issues and things I wouldn't have done 10 years ago, but absolutely. Um, I do find that, you know, you'd start playing compare games and, and I, I, at times I'm wondering like, Oh, okay. You know, we all talk about, Oh, when I was young and back in the day, but I am 40 now. And um, yeah, it does seem like the recovery is taking probably twice as long as it used to when I would say I would be 30 years old. Yeah. But then you just focus twice as hard on the, the aspects of recovery and you're sort of still achieving the same amounts you are now. Yeah. And I never used to do yoga. I never had, I never, you know, would ever take, you know, these CBD products. I would never take the time uh, to get in, in the recovery pants or, or, or go and get massage because you were so arrogant to think that, Oh, I, I don't need that. And so, you know, one of my really good friends, Wayne Godet, he's, one of Canada's best ultra marathon is 24 hour runners and he's 64 years old. And yeah, it's, he's always says it's, it's not that I, I want to do these things. I have to do these things. I have to um, cross train and I have to eat really well. And I have to get an extra hour of sleep and it's, it's a non-negotiable. It used to be a negotiable for him, but he says it's a non-negotiable yeah. now because he's, he's yeah. 40 years old. I like to think is, is old, but 64. Ooh. Yeah, I think recovery just climbs higher and higher on the priority ladder. Yeah, it just does. Has to. Yeah, I want to. If we talk about this um, and segue into, I guess, program uh, like your strategy around your training program, you did mention that you avoid back-to-back hard sessions, um, like back-to-back days. Is there is that just like a principle you've tried through trial and error, or? Are there any other principles that you follow within your training structure to help you recover and perform? Yeah, no, I, I found that, you know, and, and, you know, science is, it's all, it's all there. Um, 
you know, that, you know, you can have a really, and really make your workouts really, really hard, really long or, or fast and speedy. Um, if you think you're doing it fast and speedy enough, you probably aren't, you know, you, you could, you could really do it even harder. Um, but the harder you go, you know, then, you know, really your recovery run should be pretty soft and easy. Um, you know, the body recovers well, um, by, uh, moving. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about you, but after a race going for a hike the next day or going for a long, long, long walk is brilliant. Um, but you know, that's what I've noticed is I've, I've gotten greedy in the past and I want, you know, one hard day after the next, after the next and on paper, you think, well, that's going to work. It just doesn't work. Like, you know, you, you, you'll be good for the first two or three days. And then by the end of the week, you're falling apart and your quality days are crap. Um, and your long runs you give up on and, and then you're, you're, you know, you're useless. So, um, yeah, I think that there's really good signs, uh, that backs the whole, you know what, give it 48 hours. Um, and so even timing your workouts in the day where it's, um, okay, I'm going to work out in the evening because I know my schedule two days later that I can end up plugging in the evening as well too. So, um, you know, I know some people say, oh, no, as long as it is two days later, if your run was in the evening, then you have a recovery day. And then your next hard, hard run is in the next morning. It's not 48 hours. You're pushing 36 hours and it's not 48 hours. So so don't don't be don't be greedy and um, just plan, plan more accordingly. I think a lot of runners, they do get greedy and all they want to do is run and all they want to do is run far and all they want to do is run fast. And that's why there's so many injured athletes there. Can we briefly touch on uh, your beliefs around cold showers? Yeah. So, uh, sorry, uh, say that again? When you um, were talking about the list of benefits, uh, you did mention cold showers every day. Um, oh, I just yeah, yeah. To get, yeah. I just wanted to get your opinion on um, or the benefits or beliefs you have around cold showers. Yeah, uh, everything I, that I've read, I've never read anything that was negative about cold showers, um, you know, but I've also read, I've also come to believe that we, I don't know, we live in a very, very soft world where we always, you know, we love comfort and being in a shower, a hot shower, I don't know, there's nothing more comfortable in the world than that and staying there and there's a time and a place to be like you know right now in canada if i'm going for a long run i'm i'm going to be cold at the end of the run my core temperature has dropped quite a bit and am i going to get into a hot shower you bet i am right um and i'm going to stay there for 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 a long time but um i'm always going to end that 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 shower with uh with a cold cycle um and in the morning cold cycles are are great i'll be in i'll be in the I'll, i'll get in the shower in the morning and i'll wash my hair and clean myself in, in warm water, but then, you know, I'll always end with a, a two minute or a four minute cycle of, of cold. I've always done it because I like to think that it mentally just toughens you up and prepares you for, you know, being uncomfortable. The more often you're uncomfortable in this life, the more you're comfortable being uncomfortable. But then on the other hand, you know, physically, you just feel so good. Um, exiting that, that, that shower, uh, you feel so good for the next many hours. Um, so, so there really, really does have to be something to it. Um, it can't just be, be in, be in your head. I don't think. I can be, um, I could contest to that as well because I've been doing, I've told myself I was doing cold showers every weekday for, um, like until the foreseeable future. I've done it for about five weeks now and I, I will put I think the cold showers in Australia are a lot more tolerable than I guess a Canadian um, winter cold shower. I just some, now I get to the point where I just stand there and I'm just like, Oh, okay. So it's a little bit cold, but at the start I was like quickly breathing, like increased my heart rate and my breath rate. And I was just like shocked, but now it's just like, Oh, it's just like, it's, it's a little bit too comfortable. I kind of want it a little bit colder. I do think there is some science I haven't come across. I've only heard it from, other interviews that doing some really cold shock does trigger the body to enhance its immune system. Um, and I agree with you as well. I think you just feel better. You step out of the shower and you, you feel like you can jump around and, um, have a bit of energy and your body just feels great. And I do definitely agree with you when, if you don't want to do it, 
that's when you should be doing it because you want to just, um, you don't want your body to dictate what you want. You want your mind to dictate what you want to do. And if you have to put yourself through a grueling um, trans Canadian attempt, then there are, will be times when your body says, I don't want to do it, but your mind will say, no, let's do it. We're better than this. And I guess it's just little training habits that way, just wires um, your attitude and your actions. So yeah, I really, I really like that. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Have you had any major injuries in the past couple of years? Um, yeah, uh, I've had a um, number of, you know, tendonitis is never really, well, so I've had a couple stress fractures, uh, but I haven't had, had, had too many stress fractures in the last five years. Um, I end up having, you know, just, you know, recovering right now from, from surgery. It was a, a urethra reconstruction. It was a childhood injury and it's been around all my life. And it's just one of those things that I had to, had to take care of. Um, but yeah, no, overall, like I'll, I'll get like, you know, tendonitis issues around my ankles and feet um, my hips, um, knees, it band, but, um, I've got a really good trainer. Um, her name's Carla Robbins and, um, she talks a lot with my physiotherapist and I've got a great physiotherapist as well too. And the two of them seem to be on it. And every once in a while, when something's not right, and it's been not right for a couple of weeks, um, they'll start picking at hip rotation and a lot of the time lately it's been my my mid back my t-spine and 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 rotational issues and through there and and it, it kind of starts to load uh on uh, different tissues down your legs and you keep getting tightness and tightness and tightness and you know it's from something there's something that's not right somewhere um and so having a really good team that can view you often like, like a physiotherapist or a trainer or a chiropractor or massage therapist or whatever, and be able to kind of unpack those issues. Some people that are, you know, you really, really, really trust. Um, oh, it's nice to know that, oh, hey, I'm having this ankle locking up and clicking on the right side uh, after runs. And it's nice to have somebody pinpoint that, give you three exercises, um, release tissue, and then um, tell you, if you stay on this for a week, you're not going to feel a click. And then the click goes away. It, it's really, really nice to have that confidence in, in, in a team. Yeah. Cool. I think it's, it's nice to illustrate during like for listeners who are like, Oh, here's this amazing athlete that's doing all the right things, but it's good to show that you're being, you're experiencing some injuries as well, because a lot of the runners that we do, a lot of the runners know that they just face injury after injury, after injury. And, um, it does happen to a lot of people like injuries do happen. I have a fair, a couple more questions and I know we're being wary of time. I wanted to ask, um, a question from a patron before we move on and see how we go for time after this, but Lee asks, he is planning for his first two day event. He's doing a 92 miler. Good luck Lee. And he hasn't done a two day event before. And he's just asking uh what should i do to recover optimally for when that day two starts so in between day one day two uh what have you found to be the most beneficial or what advice do you have oh yeah no yeah great question um yeah uh sleep <laughs> i mean you yeah. know I, I think that's you know laying off alcohol uh, i know after these multi-day you know runs especially in the running culture i don't know how things are in australia but here you know people love drinking beer and you know it's it's not helpful you know, if you're going to have a beer, have like a quarter or half of a beer, um, you know, because who would, I love the taste of it and things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plan on getting lots and lots of sleep. Um, and uh, don't forget to stretch. I know I'm, I'm not a big stretcher, but I do believe in kind of the, the idea of stretching or, or yoga before bed, um, getting in and flossing your tissues and getting them moving. So that when you end up lying there for eight hours, because you're going to sleep like the dead, um, then getting up the next day and, um, and, and, and being, you know, reasonable enough. Um, the day two, I always find, you know, don't get, don't get in a big, big rush to get moving too, too fast. I mean, you know, um, just by walking really fast, it's amazing just how, how the body really warms up. Um, myself during, you know, with the trans Canadian run, you know, I was walking a lot of the first couple of kilometers 
and also breaking into a skip and allowing for my my tissue to kind of uncrack and unbind from 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 one another. Um, and within ten minutes, you're you're golden as long as you you, you you're patient enough um, to 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 allow for that to happen. So yeah, lots and lots of sleep. You know, eat as well as you can, and try to lay off the booze. Yeah, and I think that slow, gradual warm up at the start of day two is really good advice as well. Cause a lot of people can get caught up in a bit of a hype of starting day two and mm-hmm. getting the hype of moving with the rest of the crowd. And if you're feeling really stiff, or oh, maybe if I just run it out, that could be a strategy that someone might attempt. But I think mm-hmm. patience is a good key, especially with these real ultra events. That's really nice. Well, they're, yeah. They're long, long days. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, this conversation has been around, recovery strategies that you have found really beneficial, but over the course of you being an endurance athlete, have there been strategies or recovery tips that you've tried that you have found ineffective and you've just scrapped? Yeah. Um, yes, a lot. Um, like we were talking before about cupping. Yeah. Um, so many of my friends, oh my God, you know, I've, I've, I cup and I feel 100% better. And, you know, and everybody seems to, and pe- people want to give you advice of like, okay, this is the magic bullet. There is not one magic bullet. Nothing completely works. Um, you know, a lot of the time it's, it's people with, with the magic bullets are, are um, they also be, they're trying to sell you something too. Like when it comes to the um, um, diet um, and, you know, taking uh, certain pills and certain, yeah, you know what it's, you know, play around with a little bit of everything, but you know, um, yeah, prescribing to certain diets and where you cut out something altogether um, typically really don't work uh, generally overall for most people. Um, so I think just having a really balanced diet, um, they say, oh, you have to cut out, you know, all refined sugars. Well, you know, cut, definitely most of us can cut way back on refined sugars. But, um, but yeah, you know, having a, a balanced approach to, to, to everything. So, yeah, no, I, I think the fad diets, I've tried them all. Um, I do perform better on a high fat diet. I, I just, when it comes to uh, vegetable fats, I, 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 I race well and I feel good when I'm eating more, more fat in my diet. So I'll add olive oil to almost everything and, and it just, and it tastes good and it feels good to, to do that. Um, yeah, almost anything fatty. Like yeah. fatty, sorry, not fatty, but but that's a fad diet. <laughs> yeah, it's almost never worked. Yeah, I know a lot of the, I guess, devices like recovery things that you put on your body or plug into a wall or um, a lot of that is very heavily marketed and heavily strategized mm-hmm. to exploit the placebo effect. And right. <laughs> if the placebo effect works for you, by all means, do it. I don't like you try it. Like you said, at the start of the interview, try a whole bunch of different things. If it works for you, then definitely continue with it and don't necessarily hone in on the science. If it's feeling good for you. Um, right. I wanted to spend some time, just a couple of minutes now. It's not just you about running. You're actually got a bit of a mission. And like you said, a foundation behind all of this and your outrun rare is um, I guess the name of the, the foundation that you have. Can you perhaps just describe a bit behind this mission? Yeah. So, you know, we, about four years ago, um, I ended up setting the, the, the world record for the furthest distance run on a treadmill in 24 hours. And right after that, I got thinking that, okay, what's, what's next? Um, we were able to raise $85,000 for a children's charity here in Canada at that time. And I, I, I think it's so cool, you know, giving back and, and supporting people that really truly are in need. Um, you know, and over the years, like I've got, like I've told you, I've got three kids and my 11 year old son, uh, he's got a rare disease and he's got a rare disease called relapsing encephalopathy with cerebellar ataxia. We call it RECA because it's a long name and I hate having to take a deep breath before I say it. And, um, you know, every country has a different strategy when it comes to supporting, um, you know, Australians with cancer or mental health or, and there are some real significant needs out there. And Canada is the only developed country in the world without a rare disease strategy or an orphan drug plan. And right now, like right now, Pfizer and all these other pharmaceutical companies are getting 
for the very first time, kind of herald it because we need them, right? We, we need these vaccines to come out and support us. Um, but, you know, up until, you know, Canada really doesn't like supporting uh, pharma and especially orphan drugs. And that's supporting people with rare disease. And so we're the only developed country in the world that doesn't have a rare disease strategy or an orphan drug plan. So it took me and my family six years to get a rare disease um, diagnosis for my son. Um, it took about three years in order to get um, genetic research done on him where in Australia and in Germany, it's handed out like that. It's, it's amazing. You guys, you guys have done a great job in Australia at providing for your rare disease populations. And so going through all of, all of this, you know, my wife and I were really very frustrated uh, with the system. And so, um, you know, I've got all these Canadian running records and on and so forth. And, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Terry Fox. You ever heard of Terry Fox? No. Nah. So Terry, Terry Fox is a Canadian who, with one leg, ran across Canada. Wow. And he is, in a, if you ask any Canadian, they'll say, who's your, who's your Canadian here? Who's the, the greatest Canadian that ever lived? It was Terry Fox. Because there's a saying that says, it's not how far Terry Fox got, it's how far he got us. And ever since then, um, cancer research and funding and support it's been phenomenal. I think that he, his foundation has raised $900 million since his, wow. since his run back in 1980. It's just phenomenal. And I think people get behind people that do things for a good reason. And so I got thinking that, you know what, I can run across the country in record time. I, I know I can do that. And when people say 105 kilometers of running a day, it makes you kind of scratch your head and be like, is that even humanly possible? And yeah, let's, let's do it and let's publicize it. And so what we're going to do in 2021 is we're also going to get a petition. I'm not going to ask for funds. I'm not going to try to raise a million dollars or $5 million or whatever that is. But we're going to build the largest petition in Canadian history. And I'm going to tell Canadians that there's a void within your system. Most people never talk about rare disease and how to support families living with rare disease. Because, yeah, like rare disease is out there, but we just never talk about it. Let's get people talking about it. And let's get them to sign this petition and... If we get the largest petition in Canadian history, our prime minister has to sit down with me and we have to draft a, a rare disease strategy and better support families like mine and others that are better, that better that having to fight this alone through, through our healthcare system. Yeah, very well said. And I definitely, there's a lot of admiration there for the, the big mission, the big purpose that you've got. The, so your website is outrunrare.com. You have, I have your Instagram handle, Dave Outruns Rare. I had no idea you had a podcast. Can you tell me about it and where to find it? Yeah. So it's, it's on Stitcher and it's on, uh, um, you know, it's everywhere. Um, and it's uh, the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. Uh, we just had Courtney DeWalter on. Um, Lazarus Lake was the week before. We, we've, we're, getting, we're getting some really great uh um, guests on, and I'm having a blast with it. I think we're on episode 27. We started this at the beginning of the pandemic, which is super fun. So we're doing one a week and I don't know about you, you know, like you, you've been doing this podcast for a while. It's so fun. And you end, you end up learning so much by asking all these intimate questions. It's, it's, it's lovely stuff. So yeah, it's called the chasing tomorrow podcast. Yeah. I'll definitely um, look it up and start listening and I'll uh, include all those links in the show notes. Is there any other uh, links you want me to include on there? No, I, th I think that's wonderful. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Brilliant. This has been an amazing discussion. We've covered so much. Um, like I said, a lot of admiration for what you're doing, serving a bigger purpose. And it's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about Canada. It's about, you know, these rare diseases and starting a discussion, starting a petition. These are like they're big steps. So I want to say a big congratulations for everything you've done so far, everything you will go on to do and best of luck for the 2021 trans Canadian attempt. Oh, thanks so much, Brody. This was, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks once again for listening to take full advantage of the knowledge you are building. You need to download the run smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron. 
who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive Patreon Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar, and remember, knowledge is power.